All right, let's try this again. Good morning, good Sunday morning. Praises be to God. We thank him for being here. We thank him for his favor, his anointing. We thank him for his goodness. For God is good. He is good. And I'll tell you, sometimes we don't realize just how good God is. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are breathing, no matter what your situation is, no matter what your circumstance is, God has been good to you. Amen. He has been good to you and I. So we thank God again for this morning, for his grace and for the favor that he has shown on our life. You know, God showed you favor even when you don't even know that God is showing you favor. He is the God. Sometimes he'll come to the forefront, but he's always the God working in the background. I'm telling you that right now. So no matter how you are, how you fare right now, just know God is working on your situation in the background. Sometimes we don't see it, but he is there. Amen. Praise God. So this morning, without any further ado, I want to thank all of you who have been faithful to the debt-free challenge. God is moving. He is doing some tremendous things, and we will uh, do an update in the near future. Uh, but God is doing a great thing in you and in I and in many of the faithful people who follow us. So we just thank God so much for that. Now, without any further ado, I want to talk to you about something this, this morning that resonated very big to me in my life because I don't know, God began to unfold some things and, and really speak some things to me that really let me know that, let me tell you something, when you, when you pray, many times the Bible says that when you pray, he said, don't, don't give up, don't fall back, don't turn coward. Many times we don't see in a certain amount of time the hand of God moving and we will give up. We will throw the towel in. We will turn coward. We will walk away and we will abandon our faith. But I'm here to tell you, when you pray, God takes it very seriously and he is working on your behalf. So I'm talking to you this morning from the subject of the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. How many times do you know that maybe you go through a test? go through a trial, you go through a difficult time in your life. And all you know and all you've done doesn't seem to be enough. You've turned over every stone. You've turned over every leaf. You've, you've tried everything, and it seems like it's still not working. It seems like God is nowhere near, and you ask the question, God, where are you? God, do you even hear my prayer? Listen, I'm telling you, no matter how many times God has brought us through, we tend to judge him on his last act. We say, Lord, are you with me now? Can you deliver me now? That's one of the things that got the children of Israel into trouble is because God did so many tremendous acts, uh, supernatural acts in their favor. And even when they got to another level of testing, they would always say, can you, can you give us bread in the wilderness? Can you give us water in the wilderness? Can you do anything about this now? And you may be there now. You may have seen the hand of God deliver you on many occasions, 
But right now you're saying, I got a new test. I got a new trial. Can you do anything about this? I'm here to tell you, you can be sure that God is faithful. That is one thing that you can take to the bank. God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. Sometimes you have to say it to yourself. Sometimes you have to be in your secret prayer closet. Sometimes you have to be driving along in your car. You have to remind yourself <clears throat> that God is faithful. Now, what I find, and I found this in my personal life, what I found is you may be at that point in your life where God expects you to expand your faith. See, once you've gotten all that you know out of your last stage of your life, God requires you to expand your faith. I think it was John P. Kidd that said, when you feel yourself sleep, slipping, reach up and tie a new knot. That, that is another level of faith. And many times God is saying, I require more. Remember the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. He requires more out of your faith. But I'm telling you, we tend to judge God based off of our situations, based off of our environment, based off of our circumstance, based off of the pressures that we feel. We tend to judge God based off of all of those external things. When the truth of the matter is, he is consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did not change his stance. God is for you. Are you, are, you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Let's go to a very familiar scripture. Uh, we've read this scripture all the time and we've even misquoted it. But I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read a scripture that has been misinterpreted, misquoted uh, throughout the time I've been saved. And uh, let's just bring some clarity to it this, this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, there hath no temptation, test, or trial taken us, but such as common to man. It's not beyond human resistance. But God is what? God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to withstand or humanly resist, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That word simply means to successfully overcome it. In the church world, we like to say, God won't put no more on you than you can bear. What you need to understand is, is that everything that is on you, God didn't put on you. Are you listening? That word bear means to successfully overcome it. He will not allow you to be tempted above what is humanly impossible to resist. But will, along with your test and trial, he will make a way of escape that you can successfully overcome it. That's what that is saying. You will successfully overcome it. So now, no matter where you are right now or what you are dealing with in your life right now, you can 
you can successfully say and truthfully say, this is not bigger than me. This situation, although it seems tough, is not bigger than I am. Why? Because, you know, the time dispensation that you live in, many times we look back and say, could I have lived back in the day when there was uh, the, the Holocaust, when there was a genocide in Africa? Could I have lived back in the days when, when, uh, when, when sla slavery was more physical than economical or spiritual? Where you were born in the time that God chose because maybe you could not have successfully withstood those difficult times. There's nothing happening in your life right now that is bigger than you. Are you listening to me? Now, it might feel like that. It might seem like that. But the truth of the matter is not like that. Did you get that? Now, the first thing you need to establish in this is that God loves you. Now, I'm going to bring some truths out that you don't normally hear all the time. And I want you to listen because this is going to reach everyone no matter where you are. God loves you. You have to buy into that. God loves you. We judge God many times like we do our own humanistic characteristics. We say that I did this. God is truly angry with me. God loves you. And here is the truth. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You know, God revealed that to me. Because of this dispensation that has gone on during the pandemic two years, it has really caused me to buckle down and really spend a lot of time in God's word. It caused me to double down and really have to study. And, you know, I mean, even more than I did before. But, you know, God gave me a reality. And he said this to me as I was thinking. I said, you know, Lord, I said, I, I've been in your face for these last two years trying to hear for the people. I've been trying to for, hear for me as well. And I've been consistent more than I ever have in my life in your word, laboring. And you know what God said to me? And that is a truth. God said, but that has nothing in the world to do with how I respond to you. And it threw me for a minute because I'm like, surely I have pulled closer to you, drawn closer to you. And for you to say that it has nothing to do with it. He said, no, it doesn't. He said, because how I respond to you and what I do for you and how I take care of you is not because of how good you are, it's how good I am. Which I should have known that, but that was a reality check. God was saying, that's because of my nature. That's because of my character. That's because of who I am. Has nothing to do with who you are. I couldn't love you more no matter what you've done. I couldn't love you less no matter what you've done. You might be right now in a situation where this whole pandemic, you have been AWOL. You haven't been anywhere around. You haven't studied, prayed, tied. You haven't done anything. God does not love you any less than he loves me or anyone else. 
And because we judge it based off of the merit system, many times we feel condemned. Many times our heart is condemned and you just don't get it. God loves you. Let me let me let me share something with you. Now, there are things that you can do not to make God love you less, but for him to have, listen, less pleasure in you. And there are things you can do that God will have more pleasure in you. How many of you out here maybe have more than one child? If you are a good parent, you might have one child who dots all the I's and crosses all the T's. Then you might have another child that won't do nothing you tell them to do. That, And this is a, here's an illustration God gave me. He said, uh, take a child. Say a mother has two sons. One son always tries to find out what can I do for you? How can I do this for you? How can I be a blessing to you or whatever? And another son that doesn't have anything to do with you at all, but he's on drugs. He drinks, he smokes and all of that. Surely her love for both sons are going to be equal. Why? Because she birthed them both. But here's the difference. She has more pleasure in one of them than she does the other. Now, the one that's on drugs. Now, I want you to kind of equate this to how we live sometimes. The one that's on drugs come and say, Mama, I need $50. And he's high when he's asking for it. As much as she loves him, she is not going to enable his addiction. She's not going to, she, she's not going to, uh, um, how do I want to say it? She's not going to benefit, support his addiction. She loves him, but she's not going to be or uh, put a hand in his demise. Now, this is where we miss it with God. We think God is mad at us. We think God don't love us. But the truth of the matter is, is God see that we have destructive patterns in our lives. He is not going to enable those or support those. And so therefore, we think he don't love us, but we don't understand God is never going to support your destruction. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He's not going to enable things that's going to pull you away from him. Oh, man, you got to get this. No matter how you live, he's not going to, he, 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 he's, not, he's not mad at you. That's what you got to get. God is not angry with you. However, what you need to understand is because he loves us so much, it hurts him when we choose other things over him. So, He's not, he's not angry. He's hurt. Because he knows that he was the only sacrifice you could have had. And for you and I to choose something greater than him, it doesn't, 
he's not mad. He is, he is, he is hurt. Are you listening? God experienced those same type of emotions. Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin. Or Jesus was sorrowful. Are you listening? So what I'm trying to say to you is, is that when you live on the merit system, then you have a tendency to be self-righteous and think that because I didn't do like the like the like the publican and the Pharisee, I didn't do like this one did, then surely I have favor with you. Now I want you to understand something here. No matter what situation you find yourself in, God doesn't take the position when you fall that's good enough for you. See, that's how we do. He doesn't take that position that is good enough for you. No, quite the contrary. What God does is he, he tries every way he can to reach us regardless to how we treat him short of violating his word. See, here again, we don't understand that we are the ones that's in control over what God does for us because God's nature of being good is, is, is solidified, is, is validated in his nature, is validated in his character. The Bible says, every good and perfect gift come from above from the father of lights to whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I think that's James 1.17. So God is locked in on being good. However, what happens is as his people, we move out of position for God to do certain things for us without violating his word. See, what you have to understand is God, his word is forever settled. It's locked in. Now, I want you to look at this. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And I want to read this. Look at verse 11. It is a faithful saying. That if we be dead in him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Look at this. This is very important. If we believe not, yet he abided faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, let me go back to the scripture right before that. If we deny him, he will deny us. What he's saying here is, is not abandon us, but if we deny him, we have turned our back on what he has said, what he has promised, what's in his word. He can't violate it. Did you get that? He can't violate it. So therefore, the Bible says, if we believe not, this is so powerful. The Bible says, Yet he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And another translation says he cannot disown himself. His word, he and his word is one. They are settled. They are forever solidified in our in our in the course of our lives, and it can't be altered. It can't be changed. 
So he's saying here, I cannot disown myself because I am one with my word. And if I promise that I'll do this, listen, listen, guys, this will make a lot of sense to you. If I promise you something, let's use Abraham, for instance. When God said this, and I want you to look in your own life, and I want you to count up your position. This is so important. That takes the light off of God and puts it on us. When God told Abraham, I want you to go to a mountain and sacrifice your son, a mountain that I will show you. Now, let's say God told him to go to, and, and you can use any mountain. Let's just say, for instance, Mount Sinai. If God said, go to Mount Sinai and I will, and, and, and I will meet you there. And Abraham decided he was going to go to uh, Mount Hebron, a Mount Carmel. And he went there and God didn't meet him there. It was not God because God is in Sinai waiting on him to fulfill his word. But because Abram chose something else, he is in a place that God is not. We find many times when God is not answering our prayers or when he can't show us favor, it's not because he hasn't chosen to, it's because we are out of position. We are not where he told us to go. So therefore, God can't alter his word to meet us somewhere he didn't plan. Did you get that? The Bible says, if we believe not yet, he is faithful. So now, what does God have to do? God has to work hard at getting, and when I mean work hard, he has to really manipulate time. He has to manipulate structure. He has to change how he deals with you to get you at Sinai. He didn't change his word. He's not angry with you. He's still trying to reach you. Wherever you are right now in your life, if you are out of position, God's best can't come to you. Why? And I'm going to get ahead of myself is because there's someone watching. There is someone watching, trying to make a liar out of God. And God has to hold fast to his word. What do I mean? You already got it. Many of you know that it's in Revelations chapter 12. And uh, where the Bible says, that war to the inhabitants of the earth because Satan has come down uh, having great wrath. And then the Bible goes on to say that he accuses, he is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses us before God day and night. This is the reason why God has to deal with us in another way to try to get us back in position. He's not angry with you. If you are not serving God right now and you know you should be, God is not angry with you. He can't do his best for you because Satan is watching and he's trying to make God or see if God will violate his word. He's If God told you that all these, if, if you will hearken into the voice of the Lord thy God 
and all that I command thee, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. But he said, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, all of these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee until thou art destroyed. If you position yourself in a place like that, then the, the enemy will come to see if God will violate his word over there when he's already commanded you to be over here. Are you getting it right now? It's not God. God loves you. God, God still is trying to reach you no matter where you are. He's still trying to talk to you. He's still trying to to, to give you the wisdom to walk in the right place. Guys, you got to hear this. What has happened? We reposition ourselves and we've aligned ourselves against his word. Yet he still tries to reach us without violating his word. See, you got to understand something. The Bible says he has exalted his word above all his name. His word is has so much integrity in it. He can't afford to violate it for you and I. But even when we make missteps and even when we sin, even when we quit on him, he's still telling us, get back in the race. I still need entry in your life. And the enemy is going to try to destroy you while you're out of position. Get back in the race is what he's saying to us. He loves us. He's not mad. We we got this merit system all wrong because without with the merit system, then we you know we uh, 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 nullify mercy and grace. Grace empowers us to do what we can't do on our own. Mercy keeps us when we don't do what we are supposed to do. So God has built that in. And you know on the inside of you, if you have gifts, talents, things that God has given you in order to empower his body, you know if you're using those or not. If you're not, God is not mad with you, but he can't reach you. He can't He can't uh, empower you. He can't flow into your life the way he wants to until he can reach you and put you back in position. Many of you guys, you like football. How many times have you seen a quarterback throw the ball and no one was there and it was like, what? What is he doing? And then you hear the announcer or the commentator say, he and his receiver, he and his receiver, he and his receiver was not on the same page. Did you get that? It wasn't anything wrong with the play, but it was a receiver, the person who was supposed to receive the blessing, the gift, the favor was out of position, misread the play, misunderstood the play, took it upon himself to change the play. And at some point, they will go back and collaborate and run that play again, hoping that the receiver is in a place to receive. Well, I hope you are getting this. Deuteronomy chapter seven. I want you to. I want you to look at this, and I, I got to. Uh, I got to finish this. Deuteronomy 
Verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy to them that love him and keep his commandment to a thousand generations. Did you get that? He keepeth his commandment to a thousand generations. The Bible said he is faithful. He keep covenant, which means his covenant with you and I and mercy when you mess up. <laughs> See, God is still, he is faithful. He is still trying to reach you. How long will you and I stay out of position and keep missing the favor of God and the blessing of God? How long will we live subpar lives? How long will we live far below our privileges? Sound like they had a lot of <laughs> syllables in it. Privileges. privileges. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying? Guys, it's not God. You got to look at someone and say, no matter where you are, it's not God. God is not trying to beat you. He's not trying. You know, we got that, that, that mentality about God. Listen, God means what he says. However, God's love is so big. The Bible says in Romans, the fifth chapter, while we were yet sinners, while we, we were yet um, angry, rebellious, while we were yet turned our back on him, Christ died for the ungodly. And if he could do that when we were in, in total rebellion, how much more? Can he still love us when we are going through changes and we choose not to live for him? He's trying to get us back into position. We know, guys, ask yourself the question. The life I live right now, am I doing what God wants me to do? If I'm not, God still loves me and he can never. He can never empower me and can never support rebellion or report support me doing anything outside of his will. He can't support it like the mother and the son on drugs. He can't. If he knows that you have unforgiveness, he's not mad with you. He's just basically saying, according to my word, I can't forgive you. Let it go so I can work in your life again, so I can heal your body, so I can bless your finances. Let it go. He's saying if you are one of those right now who have a lot of, uh, you, you judge other people all the time, let it go so I don't have to judge you. I want to bless you. I, you are my child. I love you. And I'm, I want to do great things. If you have chosen other things over me, let them go because I can't bless you like that. Trying to get us back in position. And seeing again, like I said, he keeping his commandments keeps the devil out. It keeps him from being legalistic, legalistic with our lives. Because he's sitting there telling God, uh-huh, I'm watching, I'm watching. Yep. Bless him. And that will make you a liar. And God has to use mercy. See, what does mercy do? Mercy will forgive you of your sins, but it can't support them. So God can do that. 
He can forgive you of your sins, but he still don't have access to your life. And that's our choice. It's not because God is so mad with us. Now, let's look. One thing you need to understand, we're not trying to overcome God's reluctance to bless us. We're trying to tap into his willingness. Did you get that? Now, let's go to Psalms 119. And I, I need to hurry up and finish this. Psalms 119. Let's look at uh, verse 89. Here the Bible says, O Lord, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. See that? Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou has established the earth and it abideth. Did you get it? Thou has established the earth and it abideth. He said, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. In other words, God was faithful all the way back from Adam all the way to this day and the generations that are to come. God is faithful, but his word is forever settled in heaven. So if it's settled, God cannot go and uproot his word. He cannot dig his word up. He cannot alter his word. The Bible says, Thy word, uh, I think it's Psalms 89, uh, thy covenant will I not break. Psalms 89, 34, I'm thinking. Thy covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. He will not change his word for anyone. You know, uh, I think that here it might be a good place for me to begin, you know, when you're on the plane, they said, prepare, prepare for landing. <laughs> this is one of them times where I'm just going to have to bring it in because I already know in this lesson that I'm not going to finish it. This will be continued, but there's enough goodness in what I've taught so far for you to examine yourself and say, am I out of position? Am I out of place? God, this is why I haven't heard from you. It's not because you don't want to. It's because I won't let you. Are you listening to me? The Bible says, it. see, God does not change his mind about you. He's not trying to get us to walk. What he's doing is he's trying to get us to walk in a path that is advantageous for us. He, he doesn't change his mind. God is for you from the beginning. Even when you turned your back, remember while we were yet sinners. In our worst state, he was still for us. Right now, no matter what you're doing, it can't be worse than you were before you met him. He is still trying to win you, still trying to help you, still trying to work for you. The Bible says the Lord is our helper. He's trying to get you to walk on that path that he's already set for you. Why do you think Jesus said in St. John chapter 14 and verse 6, he said, I am the way. The way to what? The blessings, the favor. I am the way to your best life. I am the truth. Paul said, I have no greater joy in my children that thou walkest in truth. He's trying to get you to get away from your own thinking and get back on the path. He lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you get that? Jesus said, I am that way. 
the truth and the life. And no man can go to the father except he walk this path. So I'm here to say this and I'm closing right now and because we're not going to finish it. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm telling you right now, stop putting God on the merit system. You haven't done good enough for God to be overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly enthused about you that he can love you some more. He can't. He love you to the pinnacle where you are, good, bad, or ugly. But God can't have pleasure in your life. Listen to what the scripture said. <clears throat> he taketh pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Prosperity is more than monetary, but it does include that. He taketh pleasure. God gives pleasure to your marriage to your home, to your children, to your finances, to your storehouse, to your career. God gives pleasure when he can get you to walk on his path because it's already ordained with favor. Well, praise God. I'm going to stop right here. This will be continued. And I just want to say, I hope this was enough for you to be able to look at yourself because it's not going to go the way you want if you are doing it outside of the path that God placed us on. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways. They're hiding your ways. God is not mad with you. Wherever you are, no matter what you've done, God is not mad with you. If you don't get that part, the Bible said, cast all your cares on him for he careth for you. Why should you be weighed down if you, if you, if, uh, unless you know God cares for you, you can cast them on him. Guys, let it go. Let it go. Repair your relationship with God. He loves you and he's never stopped loving you. He cares for you. And he's never stopped caring. So whatever you do, whenever you do it, and however you do it, if Jesus tarry, be here again on Tuesday so we can finish this. And then once you go through this and you learn how much God loves you, it'll be easier for you to keep it real. <laughs>